Hello, this is Ron Clark from Kairos Church Planting, and you are listening to the second season of the God of Second Chances podcast. Hey, this is Ron Clark from Kairos Church Planting Support, and you're listening to the God of Second Chances. We are doing a special Advent series. So we're going to take a break from our series through the prophets or the Navim and actually talk about the series, Hope in the Darkness. And we're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah because some of the texts that we're going to discuss are texts that are used around the holiday season. So as you're preparing for Advent, as you're preparing for a COVID holiday or a COVID Christmas or, you know, a COVID uh, Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you celebrate, I want to encourage you to join us in this Advent series to find hope in the darkness. Welcome to our special bonus series during Advent from the God of Second Chances podcast. We are looking through the prophet Isaiah to talk a little more out of the book of the prophets or the Navim. We've spent uh, the first part of season two discussing the uh, earlier prophets, which would be the book of Joshua through 2 Kings. And now we're looking at that second half, and we're beginning with our Advent series to talk about passages in Isaiah. Isaiah is a book that we often hear read during the Christmas stories and the birth of Jesus and the discussion of the people in darkness. But the book of Isaiah has deeper meaning, and it shows us a powerful spirit and love and joy and faithfulness from the God of Second Chances. So turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 7, and let's hear from the God of Second Chances. I love the Christmas season. Man, it just brings me so much joy. I don't know what it is, but ever since I was a kid, I've loved the trees and the lights and the songs and the shows and the waiting for Santa Claus. As I've gotten older, uh, I noticed that my house looks almost like a runway in Christmas time because we put up all the lights. But I often love telling our boys the story Uh, not of Santa Claus, but of Jesus, the baby born in a feed trough. Often, when we talk about the Christmas story and the birth of Christ, our lectionaries in the Advent season, or even just our Bible readings or our verses that we hear, come from the book of Isaiah. It's easy to think that Isaiah was only talking about Jesus and prophesying the coming of Jesus. But as we'll see as we move along in the prophets, understanding prophecy in the prophetic books is more than just looking for Jesus. The book of Isaiah has a powerful message. Isaiah 7 is one of those powerful messages that is often used in the birth of Jesus Christ. In Isaiah chapter 7, the history is very powerful. 
King Ahaz is the king of Judah, and you know, as we've looked at the previous podcast, the kingdom was divided into two, the northern kingdom, Israel, and Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel continually disobeyed God, and they're being ruled by Pekah, who was a king that uh, assassinated Pekahiah, and now he's become king. He's a powerful king, he's a soldier, and he has partnered with the king of, of Aram, or Syria, Rezin. And of course, since Israel was bigger than Judah, they pounded their little, little brother. And so these two, the Syrian king and Pekah, are going to get together and they're going to take Jerusalem, but they're having a difficult time overthrowing this mighty city. Ahaz is not a good king. He sacrifices children to the fire. He worships idols. He doesn't really care about Yahweh God. But in Isaiah chapter 7, as he hears about these kings coming to take their city, and he begins to worry, he is told by the prophet Isaiah a message from God. The king is out, and he's uh, looking to to see if... um, they have enough water supply, if they've got enough uh, uh, storage to be able to fight off these kings and to hold it out. He's obviously afraid and he's obviously scared. And yet, Yahweh tells the prophet Isaiah, you take your son, Shear Yashuv, which means uh, a remnant will return. It's the idea that this is a son who has a name that means hope. He says, you go out and you tell him. Notice verse 4. Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. The prophet goes out to this king, this wicked king who's struggling in his faith. And he says, don't be afraid of these guys. God's got your back. In fact, if we read the story correctly, this is around 740, 730 BC, the new and upcoming mighty power throughout the world is Assyria, and Tiglath-Pileser, the king, is someone who Ahaz is having a conversation with him. If I give you money out of the treasury of God, if I give you money out of God's temple, will you protect me? Will you be my big bodyguard to protect me from these two bullies. And you can see that Ahaz is struggling in who to believe. Do I believe in the power of military? Do I believe in the power of might? Or do I trust Yahweh? And in verse 9, as Isaiah is preaching to Ahaz, he says, the head of Ephraim, which is um, Aramea, is Sam- or, or, which is Israel, is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. It's a human. But if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And it's interesting because these two words, Haman, uh, Ahmad, uh, which is similar to Amen, uh, it, it has two different verb tenses on this Hebrew verb, which basically says, if you do not allow your faith to be firm, you will not be able to have faith or you will not be faithful. What's happening in the story? Isaiah is going to this king and saying, Listen, you have got to make a decision. You need to trust Yahweh. You will not have strong faith as a leader unless you are willing to show faith. 
And as time goes on, Ahaz says, you know, you know, when he says, ask the Lord for a sign, and Ahaz says in verse 12, I, I don't ask, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. He doesn't care. Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David, is it enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God? Why won't you let God show faithfulness? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin or the woman will be with child and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and your people on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring up the king of Israel, of Assyria, excuse me. Now what's happening here? This is not a prophecy of Jesus directly. This is a prophecy for Ahaz. This is a message where Isaiah says, look, a woman is going to have a child, and before that child is even a year or two years old, this is all going to be over. God is going to take care of this. And then Assyria is going to be next in line. And as we read on in chapter 8, you know, it says that uh, <clears throat> uh, Isaiah's wife, he goes into his wife and she gets pregnant and gives birth to a son. And then you see the phrase Emmanuel repeated in verse 8. You see in verse 10 of chapter 8, God is with us, which is the word for Emmanuel. In chapter 8, verse 17, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding the face from the house of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Therefore, uh, here am I and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel for the Lord Almighty, Yahweh Almighty, who dwells on Mount Zion. Chapter 9, verse 6, for us a child is born, a son is given. What is the message? First of all, the message that Jeremiah has for Isaiah is stay faithful. This is a time for you to put your faith in Yahweh, not humans. Secondly, within a year or two, you know, you know, you know, when this child is born, within a year or two, before the child is even very old, that child will be a sign and remind you that Yahweh is faithful. This will all be over. You see, in the story, the issue was Ahaz's unfaithfulness and his unwillingness to trust Yahweh and the fact that a child was going to be born and that would be the sign that God is faithful. That's the power of the Isaiah text. You see, the Isaiah text speaks to you and I today, especially during this time of COVID. People are struggling. Should we meet? Should we not meet face to face? Should we take a vaccination? Should we not? What should we? Should we wear a mask? Should we not? And the point that I think for Christians is we need to endure. We need to look at what God is going to do when this is over. How is God working during this time? How is God helping us to be faithful? You see, so many people are starting to leave church, and it's because they're becoming worn out. They're becoming fatigued. And yet, Isaiah's message for us is the same. Be faithful. It'll all be over soon. Hang in there. As we turn to the book of Matthew, this Isaiah 7 passage seems to uh, be part of our historical interpretation. Uh, we use the Isaiah 7 passage as well as chapters 8 and chapters 9 when we talk about the birth of Jesus, the birth of the Messiah. 
Matthew was writing his gospel, we believe, to Jewish Christians. And we know this because at times in the gospel, he, tra- he doesn't translate Hebrew verbs. He uses phrases about Jesus in Hebrew that would seem very familiar to a Jewish audience. He talks about fulfilling scriptures. Now, fulfilling doesn't mean that it it, it was prophesied in the past and now is being uh, fulfilled in a sense. Fulfilling is the idea of happening again. Or uh, a situation that's very similar to what happened in the past. For instance, in Matthew chapter 1, when verse 18, when it talks about the birth of Jesus, it says that this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no sex with her till she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Notice this passage of Scripture. First of all, Mary is pregnant. She and Joseph are engaged. Some suggest that Joseph was an older man and Mary was a young young female, young girl. That's not the case. Uh, there were times where young men and young women were married. It's very likely in a poor society that Joseph and Mary were both young people. But because she was engaged or betrothed meant that the only thing that would separate them would be her being pregnant or or adultery, in a sense. And having sex outside of this engagement was considered adultery. Yet, she's pregnant. What does Joseph do? Well, the text tells us in verse 19, because he's a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. According to the law, he should bring her before the people, strip her, have her stoned, or uh, disassociate himself from her. But the text tells us, being a righteous man, he chose to act out of grace. When we later in in season 4 talk about the Gospels, this is the theme of Matthew. Righteousness shown through compassion, through mercy, through justice. What does Joseph do? He acts justly. He's a righteous man, so he's going to act with compassion. But instead of divorcing her, an angel comes and gives him the Isaiah chapter 7 passage. First of all, while the Greek text here uses the word for virgin, Parthenos does not always mean virgin, it just means a young lady of marriageable age. And in ancient cultures, that would be a virgin. When we look at the Hebrew word used in the book of Isaiah, it's a word that meant a young woman. As we mentioned in Isaiah 7, it was the prophet's wife who conceived and had a child. Here, it's Joseph's fiance or wife or future wife who conceives and is pregnant. But the interesting thing about this story is it's not about the virgin birth or the pregnancy of Mary. The sign 
is the child. He will have the name Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. This took place to fulfill or or um, reestablish or redo what was said through the prophet. The virgin will the virgin or the young woman will be with child, give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What is the point of the story? Joseph is reminded, just as Ahaz, that he's at a crossroads in his life. He's at a time where it, it demands faith, just as Ahaz had to believe that God was going to be faithful with the covenant with David. So Joseph, who we read in Luke chapter 2, is of the household of David, has to believe that God is going to be faithful here and work through this. And the child is going to be the sign that he is going to watch Jesus grow and realize that he is God with us. He is God among us. He is Emmanuel. And of course, the story goes, he takes her as a wife, does not have sex with her until after the birth of Jesus. Joseph fathered children. Mary fathered children. She was not a virgin all of her life, just when Jesus was born. And we read about Jude and James and other brothers and sisters of Jesus, which would be half brothers and sisters. But the text tells us that Joseph operated out of faith. And Jesus was the sign that God is faithful. It was not only Joseph reading this story, it would have been Jewish Christians who were struggling. Some of the Jewish Christians in the first century were expelled from the synagogue for their faith. Others of the Jewish Christians were struggling with the Gentiles coming into the church. And we see this with the Apostle Paul. And the story is very similar to what it was speaking to Joseph. Have faith. Trust that God is working. Jesus is God with us, God among us. And that goes not just for those who speak Hebrew and read Hebrew, but for those who speak Greek and those who live outside of the Jewish community. And so it wasn't just Joseph struggling. It was the early Jewish Christians reading this story, wondering, is this right? Is this the way of God? Jesus is the sign, was the sign, is the sign that God is with them and with us. This time of year, you may be struggling as well. Some of you may be wondering what hope there will be with this pandemic. Yes, we have a vaccination, but what's going to, what's going to change? What's going to be the hope? We read that people are leaving churches and that churches, some are struggling, others are being carried through by faithful donors who support them. There are many clergy leaving ministry because they're tired, they're worn out, they're burned out. And there are others who have hung in there and are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. This time of year tells us that Jesus is a reminder that God has not abandoned us. No matter whether we have a virus or a vaccine or we're losing loved ones or we are social distancing or we are losing our jobs, the Matthew text tells us God is still with us. Jesus grew up in a poor family and he was a reminder to that poor family that God has not abandoned them and God has not abandoned us. Jesus was a reminder to Jewish Christians who were facing persecution, who were being expelled from their families in the synagogues, and who were being taunted and teased for embracing non-Jewish people. And the reminder is, Jesus is the sign. Here's your sign. Jesus 
It's a reminder that God is with us. May this season, this holiday season, be a reminder that the child is a sign that God is with you and me. I'm Ron Clark from Kairos Church Planting and Support, and I want to thank you for listening to the God of Second Chances podcast. We've been in the midst of doing uh, some exciting things with uh, our discussions on YouTube on uh, bias, racism, and ministry. If you want to know more about that, you might want to check out our, our website uh, at agapecoc.com backslash, or hashtag, backslash podcast singular. And we'll have links to that, uh, to those YouTube discussions. We've been enjoying those. Please feel free to email us at podcast at agapecoc.com and we would be glad uh, to answer any of your questions. But for now, go in peace, love God, serve others, and remember the God of seconds.